on today's show. Um, I, I was really anxious to kind of prove myself and and show that I could build a product. So um, I, I found, and it was when Slack was also kind of coming out. I found um, this this interesting thing happening where um, I was I was joining all these private Slack groups, and they were they were kind of like interest based, um, almost like AOL chat rooms. Mm-hmm. But but Slack did not surface these um, these rooms within their website, and so. Um, the the simplest way to, to build that product was I found a, a template. It was basically like a, a Hacker News product on um, white label solution. And I I created Slack chats, which became um, the number one ranked app on product time for the day. And, and I built that and and by build it, I mean, I really just kind of like took a, a current product and just kind of slapped my, my uh, mm-hmm. logo and branding on it. But I think I did that in 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 a night, um, and then suddenly I, really? I, I released it. It was really quick, um, and then I released it on Product Hunt. And suddenly, just by releasing one product on Product Hunt, people began to think of me as as a product person. Um, That's awesome. And then I kind of got the itch to build build more of these. So I built. Yeah. Um, there was something I built called Request for Startups, where VCs could submit ideas they wanted to to. To fund, um, there's another one called Startup Adoption Agency, where people, uh, like tired founders, could could put up their startups for adoption, and people could adopt the startups. Um, and there are all these little projects that were kind of leading me to to um, this place where I I began to think of myself as a product person because I was able to do it repeatedly, and all those products became number one on Product Hunt, and and suddenly I was I was really confident. Five, four, three. Jeff Morris Jr. gets the prize for the best ever introductory letter for a job that I've ever seen in my whole life. Uh, he wrote a letter to me uh, when I was at Zarly. We just started the company and said, I'm willing to pay you to work for you for two months. <laughs> Not only did it blow my mind, it ultimately signals a lot about who is this guy named Jeff Morris Jr. Today, he is the uh, head of product revenue for Tinder, which is an incredible story that has shown really the power of incredible people working on an important product. And he also runs his own venture capital firm investing in, in startups. But what I love about his story is the fact that he really did have to create his way to, to these positions. Um, he was sort of Stuck, feeling a little bit like he couldn't figure out his next move. Um, he left Zarly and was sort of searching. And so he decided he was going to start in a coding boot camp. But it wasn't starting for several months, so he sort of needed to fill his time. And so he decided to basically work for some friends, work on a couple projects. And over that period of months, he launched three products on Product Hunt, and all of them shot to number one. And while he was waiting to start the coding boot camp, this experience as a product guy, launching his own products, getting them out there, having them succeed was ultimately why he got a job opportunity and an opportunity to uh, to really help transform the product at Tinder. It's an awesome story showing the power of just putting yourself out there, just learning and doing things that showcase to other people what's possible for you. Jeff is an awesome peer person. I highly recommend you follow him on Twitter, one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Anyone interested in product, interested in startups, interested in venture, just interested in just being awesome. Jeff Morris Jr., ladies and gentlemen. Jeff Morris Jr., 
Um, so excited to hang out with you, my man. And uh, I, uh, I, I was telling someone the other day about, about your and my adventures together. And uh, this person happened to tell me, you know, I follow this guy on Twitter and he's one of my favorite people on Twitter to, to listen to. So your reputation precedes you as a thought leader of dropping Twitter knowledge bombs. <laughs> That's my, my goal in life is to be a, a great Twitter follow. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, it was, it's random. I mean, seriously, someone was like, uh, do you know Jeff Morris Jr.? And I sort of was like, do I know Jeff Morris Jr.? Like, I've slept on couches with Jeff Morris Jr. <laughs> like, like, but it's funny. It's, I think it's interesting to see how, how um, uh, as you sort of developed your voice, it has sort of become, you've, you've sort of become a, a thought leader in at least the, the product space and, and thinking about uh, the way to build cool products people love. Yeah, yeah, and I... I- I think it hasn't happened totally on purpose. Um, I did notice, especially in, in the product world, there was um, there wasn't a ton of content from from people who were in the uh, kind of in the weeds on on building products who were speaking with um, kind of an honest, um, just like fresh voice. It was I think a lot of people in in tech and and in Silicon Valley um, they share articles of you know maybe they're featured in TechCrunch or. Um, but they don't really dive into the the day to day of what it feels like when you're, um, you know, when you're having doubts about what you're building or when you're when you release something and and it goes really well and just sharing your your really honest um, feedback. And so I hope when people read my account, they feel like they're um, almost building products with me and feeling my my emotions as as the process is, is happening in real time. Yeah, no, I, it's I, it's like I've missed having you in Slack with me all the time. So now I feel like I get a little snippet of of JMJ whenever <laughs> I whenever I am. So I, I, one of the things that I I uh, always love to tell is the Jeff Morris Jr. origin story where I got to meet J- JMJ. And so I'm going to quickly tell like from my perspective, and then I want you to sort of tell it um, how you were feeling through it because I think you have this really interesting story where in some ways you're you're like born inside the like the belly of the tech beast and you kind of like left it to go pursue this career in entertainment and like kind of like snuck your way back in um through through this unique opportunity so i want you to tell but let me tell my version of the first piece and then i want you to sort of tell the sort of the origin story and how it happened because i think it was it's a fascinating lesson in this concept of like basically when when you realize you have to do something to stand out uh, you just you have to be thoughtful and creative, and I think your story is one of those um, magical ones. <laughs> so, um, so my story with JMJ, the first time I got to meet you is um, Zarly was in its infancy days. It was probably like less than a month old at the time. Uh, we'd launched at South by Southwest to like you know great a great a quick accord, and um, and uh, Ashton Kutcher was one of our investors, and so we we basically were riding the wave of like the brand name of Ashton, and like we had a lot of really great things going for us, and we launched and. And it just kind of worked. There's a bunch of things. And so I remember we kind of made this announcement that we were looking for um, folks to join the team. And we were just in like all out crazy hustle mode. And uh, and so the first guy we hired was a guy named Adam Coombs, who's from Kansas City. He happened to be there at the Origin weekend. And uh, and he basically put out this APV to like uh, all points bulletin for to anyone who wanted to kind of get their foot in the door, but was willing to move to Kansas City. And I remember like late at night, it must have been like super late night because we were on all the time at that point. I get a, an email sort of with something of the subject line that said like, 
you'll never believe this. And, and, and in it was forwarded an email from you, which was <laughs> a cover letter that is, will live in infamy with me that basically I'll, I'll paraphrase it that said, um, I'm so moved by the mission and I'm so moved by the opportunity that I'm willing to pay you guys to work for you for two <laughs> months in order to prove myself. And, and like, like we were, we were like a tiny baby company at the time, right? Like we were nothing, but yet like in all the things I, I sort of like had to pinch myself and say like, what the F is this? <laughs> um, and, and I think like from there it moved pretty quickly. Like I think Adam was sort of so like, we we're all moving a million miles a minute. I was getting on a plane and, and I was like, I basically said to him, I got to meet this guy. So do whatever you can to like, uh, learn if he's like batshit crazy, but if not, like we want to hire this guy for sure. And like, I did a little <laughs> talking and you were like, actually like not a legit, you were like legit. You weren't like sort of a, uh, a crazy human. Um, but anyway, like, so, you know, you, you joined Zarly, you basically packed a bag and moved to Kansas city. And like, I credit, I credit you with actually our early success and bringing this idea of creating these hyper local communities that launched Zarly into its, um, first successful iteration and then, you know, carried the company through various, uh, you know, different uh, endeavors to now moving on to like working on some direct product experience with your own and otherwise, and then now um, being in product at Tinder and having your own investment firm. So that kind of was my, uh, my fast version of the JMJ story. But my origin story with JMJ was that, that uh, specific, specific email <laughs> that was like, I can't believe what just came into my inbox. So why don't you tell the story from your perspective about how that sort of email came to be and, and kind of how it all fit into your overarching narrative? Yeah, of course. So, um, so I was, I was trying to get into technology for a while and, and I was, I wasn't having a lot of luck. Um, I, you know, as you said, I, I was a relatively normal, uh, I like to think credible person, but, um, just getting that first job is, is really challenging. And so I went to I went to South by Southwest um, in 2011, and and went there really with the goal of just figuring out who, um, which companies were interesting, and and who I should try and work for. And um, I was at a, a DFJ party uh, venture firm, and and uh, I happened to have a, a chance to talk with with Tim Draper, who was an investor. And I said, which which startup um, are you most excited about? And he said Zarly, and then I went and I, I talked to someone else at the same party, and and I kept on hearing Zarly was the company that um, that everyone was was the most interested in. So I um, went home. Do you know this? Uh, what we so I remember the moment when we pitched uh, Tim. Like it was a total accident. Like we were basically uh, in the corner, and uh, Bo and I were like talking to him, and he was like drinking this whole thing <laughs> up because for him, I think it was like you know, I think he believed in the broader thesis behind. Um, local commerce and it was like the early days of the internet. So I remember that's funny that you said that because I remember uh, he had he never heard of Zarly. Like it was we weren't a thing, but uh, he, it basically kind of this happenstance we were in the right place. Maybe that's part of the magic of South by Southwest that uh, we got to talk to him and tell the story. And lo and behold, that led to the JMJ uh, experience. <laughs> yeah. So um, and that was when South by Southwest really was um, a place where you you would find the coolest startup. Like you went there and you, you could discover something new. Um, so, so right after that, I, I went home and, um, I followed, I followed pretty much every employee. You guys didn't have uh, a website, I don't think, but I figured out who was working there <laughs> and it was probably like four or five people. Um, and so I followed every single one of you and, um, 
and was just really kind of tracking the company from from the employees' point of view. And I remember I was I was up pretty late one night, and this is what you mentioned earlier. And um, Adam Coombs posted posted uh, just it was a simple tweet saying, "Hey, we're looking to hire our first two people." Um, and as part of that tweet, I think it did have a job de- job description, and it said, uh, "We'll either be located in Seattle or Kansas City." And so I had no idea at that time um, where you guys were were planning to hire for the role, but I. I wrote this crazy cover letter, as you mentioned, and my entire goal of that cover letter was just to make you guys stop in your tracks and say, who the, who the hell is this? Um, because job I, well done, <laughs> job well done. Um, you know, I, I, I knew that you guys were, were really busy and, um, and I also knew that, that you guys were, were, you know, the hot setup at the moment. So I just want to get your attention. And, and, and that was, so the, the Zarly model is you, um, know, know very well is naming your price on anything. So, um, you, you'd say I'd pay X for, you know, I'd pay a hundred dollars for someone to clean my house or there's, there's a million different use cases, but I applied that use case to my cover letter. I'd said, I said to myself, what would this opportunity for a job actually be worth? Um, and the answer was, was pretty clear. Like it would be worth two months of salary for me to get a chance to work at the hottest startup and improve my worth. Um, it's like a no brainer if you actually think about it. So I, I wrote the cover letter and, um, Adam Coombs got me on the phone the next day and told me about the role. And he, he said, um, you know, you sound, you sound like a smart kid and, and would you be willing to move to, to Kansas city tomorrow? Um, and <laughs> at that point I was, I was just like, th- at that point it went from you guys thinking I was crazy, crazy to me thinking you guys were crazy. Um, cause I, I'd never, yes, job well done. So it was like the meeting of, of crazy minds. Um, and so I, I, um, I said yes without thinking about it and then hung up the phone and thought, thought about what that actually involved. And I realized the only thing for me, it really, really involved at the time was buying a plane ticket and, um, and getting on a plane. And so I was, I was single at the time, uh, really didn't have any attachments to, to San Francisco and. Um, so I booked a plane ticket and, and showed up at the office. Um, I think the, the joke that I, I tell, and it's true is I didn't know if it was Kansas city, Missouri or Kansas city, Kansas. Like I, I didn't even know, <laughs> I didn't know which, what state I was going to. Um, and I, I really had no idea how, how long this was, was going to last. So I just packed basically one suitcase and, um, showed up at the office without, uh, a home or, or an apartment and, book to book a, a room at, at a nearby hotel and was sleeping at a, out of a hotel for a week. And then, um, you know, as, as we started to dig in more, I think we both sides saw that, that it was going to be a good fit. So, um, ended up just having an amazing experience with, with the team at Zarly and you and, and Bo and lived in, in New York, you guys moved back to San Francisco eventually and, um, was there for about three years. And then, um, you know, as I, as I was kind of graduating from Zarly, I was more involved with growth marketing and, um, yeah. Yeah. and that was, that was, that ended up being a lot of product work because you're, you're running, right. um, paid acquisition campaigns from Facebook and then you're sending people to a landing page and you're trying to get them to sign up for your product and, and buy something. And, um, I really started to think about product just in terms of, of funnels. So, so how do you get a user from point A to point B to point C? Um, and, and it, it just sort of clicked for me. And so I, I when yeah. I, when I left Zarly, I was 
like dead set on finding a rolling product, um, again, was kind of faced with this, what you mentioned earlier is it's really hard to, um, to get your first crack at anything. And so, yeah. So I didn't really know. It was similar to the, the original job situation when I was when I was just trying to get into startups. I didn't know how to how to get into product. And and um, as I was I was talking to people, the only thing I could do to kind of control my destiny was was to start building products myself. Um, Make real products. Right? It seems like so it's so obvious, but it's like so few people actually do it. And uh, surprise, surprise, you you actually did it. But let me before yeah. before I want I, I don't want to go too far yet into that piece. I want to sure. come back a little bit because I think sure. I think what's one of the things that I I sort of loved um, about you, and I think it was something that I think a lot of people can learn from is you you never like you never saw yourself as an employee, and and I think that's you know I think that's sort of this interesting thing. There is this like in particular in San Francisco, everyone sort of feels like there's this like. You know, everyone has this cult of entrepreneur hero worship, right? Like everyone wants to be the entrepreneur, which, um, you know, as both of us know, like uh, heavy is the head that wears the founder crown, and yeah. sometimes it's not, it's not nearly as glorious and glamorous as as everyone may think, or as you know, lucrative in some ways. But like you applied a really interesting approach to your um, sort of your your career that I got to be a part of, which was you you always treated things like solving an entrepreneurial problem inside an organization like an entrepreneur. And and I'll quickly tell the story of, I mean, I think your insight of we we didn't know what the hell we were doing at the start. And we we, you know, in a lot of ways always were trying to figure out random things was we were trying to be one of the first companies to create hyper local communities and we were using social media heavily. And I think it was your insight to say, what if we were to do in-person versions of these hyper-local communities to supplement, you know, sort of the take the online offline. Um, and so tell me a little bit about how you thought about those sorts of things of like always being entrepreneurial in, in your role. Yeah. So I think, um, I think in that case, we, we knew that we were going to launch this product in many different locations. And, and I remember one day we walked into a room and they were just, like 40 cities um, listed on a whiteboard. And we just, we, <laughs> we kind of just, and there were, there were um, probably, I want to say five or six people at that time who were kind of in my position. Um, if you want to call them like city managers of, of sorts. Um, and, and I remember just thinking, um, I'm going to pick the cities where I have the most friends um, and the most connections, because that's my value in this situation is mm-hmm. um, when you're trying to build communities, it needs to be, um, especially for, for a local marketplace, there needs to be a, a grassroots element to what you're doing. And, and startups in general, they have to have that kind of organic um, initial user base that, that um, you can only get really through, through being on the ground in many cases. And so, so, you know, as part of that, I remember putting my name next to San Francisco and, and Los Angeles, and I think Boston was the other city, but and then I just got on like like I was like how do, how do I solve this as an entrepreneur without engineers? Um, I just literally I'd arrive at the office at eight a.m. or eight thirty a.m. and I would just call my I was calling people all day long, just trying to tell them about the idea and um, ask them for fifteen minutes of their time to to just listen to to what uh, we were building. And and at, at the end of every call, um, people would just naturally say, "Let me know how how I can be helpful." And and my my response to that was I will I'll let you know how, how you can be helpful. So uh, we would follow up with these people and and we would organize events in those cities and they really became kind of the 
foundation, um, we eventually built online communities. Um, I think we call them dream teams where yeah, um, we teams. had, we had, you know, 30 to 40 people in each, each city that we were launching who were advocates and supporters of our company. And we didn't even have a, a, a product at the time, but they just love, <laughs> they just love being a part of something. I think we're all so mm-hmm. busy with our lives that if someone actually reach, reaches out to you and, and invites you to join a cool entrepreneurship group, which it was mostly in these groups, kind of like entrepreneur types, um, you'll, you'll listen and, and probably participate. So we were just, we were just trying at that time to, to leverage our value. And, and um, at that time, it was mostly just our personal connections um, and being really, really aggressive and kind of, um, you know, hustling really hard in, in terms of, of creating awareness for, for the product. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, I think that, that sort of simple act, that decision of realizing that um, it's a human on the end of this. I, you know, I think we, we always thought that, but I think there was this effort of this dream team and these hyperlocal local community uh, groups was uh, a powerful insight. I think, and in some ways that probably colors a lot of the ways you have always thought about product is it's always been about people, um, which is, uh, which is, which is, which is quite fun. So what was, what, if you had to look back on that experience in terms of like developing you as a, as a, a product, a product guru that is today, was there any particular moment that stands out? I mean, you had a bunch of really interesting, bizarre, random moments along the way, um, <laughs> in a, in a, in an adventure that, that, that adventure, which I think all of us did, but in anything that stands out as a, this was a memory that defines the kind of my journey and maybe in more particular kind of what this set you up for, for the next stages ahead. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the biggest thing in, in those early days was just um, like being able to like, you can, you can always have an impact on, on your business, even if you don't have um, a lot of power within your company. So I think we all felt, as you said, we felt like we were owners of, of the company because we, um, we were early employees and we, we had a lot of pride in what we were doing and, and we didn't have a lot of resources, but we did have, um, we had Facebook, we had our phones, we, we were, we were kind of doing everything we could within, um, kind of our, our means at the time. So I've always been, I think Zarly made me a very scrappy entrepreneur and, and scrappy to my product approach. So if you, um, if you talk about building MVPs, like that was what um, got me into product where I, I felt like I could, I could release something without being um, an engineer myself. Like mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I kind of stopped viewing products as, um, as this big daunting thing that you have to release. And, and um, you know, you can release products in many different ways. It doesn't have to be a, a, a fully fleshed out app or, or website. And I think it was just kind of like thinking of, of ways that I could leverage what I do, what I do know, my current skill sets to, to create products. And, and I, I still do that. I don't, I never think, um, I never think in terms of like, what if I can't build this? It's right. more like, how can I just test this concept and, yeah. and see if I'm on the right track? Yeah, that's cool. So, and then you, you know, you're, uh, you had an adventure Zarly. in a lot of ways. I think, you know, like you said, Zarly brought you back home, right. Into the sort of product world and into the world of, um, of startups much deeper. How did the, you know, after that, you started talking about basically saying um, you weren't, you know, as much as you were involved in kind of quote unquote building and testing sort of products at Zarly, it wasn't really something that you could demonstrate, Hey, I built this, this is my sort of product expertise. So you went in and basically uh, 
you know, went to the, went to the lab and started, uh, started making products, right? Some of your own and others with others. Talk about that kind of that window from Zarly to eventually what led you into, into Tinder. How did you sort of create, um, sort of evidence of your, your experience and knowledge, um, in that, in that window period? Yeah, sure. So the, the first thing I did, um, was so prior account was coming out at, at around that time and and um I, I was really anxious to kind of prove myself and and show that i could build a product so um i i found and it was when slack was also kind of coming out i found um this this interesting thing happening where um i was i was joining all these private slack groups and they were they were kind of like interest-based um almost like aol chat rooms mm-hmm. but but slack did not surface these um, these rooms within their website. And so, um, the, the simplest way to, to build that product was I found a, a template. It was basically like a, a hacker news product hunt, um, white label solution. And I, I created Slack chats, which became, um, the number one ranked app on product hunt for the day. And, and I built that in, and by build it, I mean, I really just kind of like took a, a, current product and just kind of slap my my uh Mm -hmm. logo and branding on it but i think i did that in 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 a night um and then suddenly i I released it it was really quick um and then i released it on product and and suddenly just by releasing one product on product hunt people began to think of me as as a product person um that's awesome and then i kind of got the itch to build build more of these so i built um there was something I built called Request for Startups, where VCs could submit ideas they wanted to to, to fund. Um, there was another one called Startup Adoption Agency, where people uh, like tired founders could could put up their startups for adoption, and people could adopt the startups. Um, and there were all these little projects that were kind of leading me to to um, this place where I I began to think of myself as a product person because I was able to do it repeatedly and all those products became number one on product hunt and, and suddenly I was, I was really confident. Um, did you, did you think of yourself as you're going through that experience of like, there's this, again, this kind of cult and, and fantasy world of like, I should start a company. I should be an entrepreneur. And especially like you're in, you know, you've got this network that is all people who are, you know, like, like that thinking of those things. Did you have this temptation to say, I need to go raise capital and start a company? Or did you keep thinking of this as like, I'm just learning how to be a great product person? Um, it was a little bit of both. I think I was, if any one of the ideas felt like a business, um, I probably would have, would have taken that part of it more seriously. It was more, yeah. I think I, I was just more liking it to like, um, you know, like, like, like an athlete going to the gym and like, trying to like get better at their craft or right. like, like there were, there were, it was reps for me. It was just repetition. Um, something, something interesting happened though was as I released these products, I was starting to get job offers for, for product roles oh, really? within text. So, uh-huh. so suddenly the idea that I couldn't, I couldn't get in the door was no longer, it was the opposite where I was starting to get um, really interesting offers at different startups. And, and so that's when I kind of decided, uh, I was I was going to by the way I was going to General Assembly to learn how to code because I then convinced myself that I needed to learn how to program. Um, no way! Oh, really? So you were you were like saying like I guess to to really you know you sort of were buying the whole thing <laughs> of like all right like there's more of these pre prerequisites uh, I got to learn to code but 
uh, that's awesome. You, yeah. <laughs> you, you listen to the market. They're like, no, wait a second. Yeah. So I was, I was doing that. Um, it was a full-time boot camp, and, and, um, and then I was, I was consulting. I, I started a consulting business for products. Um, and I worked at some really cool companies. I worked at a Y Combinator company. I worked at uh, monkey Inferno, which is, um, Michael Birch's product studio. And, and, yeah. um, and then I was the uh, service of VP of product at, at, interim VP of product at another company. So suddenly I went from someone who, who was just struggling to get in the door to, I was having doors open up for me, um, kind of all over the place. And it was all through just kind of making, making very simple products and and releasing them. It's crazy. I mean, I think you're a perfect, you know, case study. We talk about creating evidence of your passion and your, your expertise. And that's why I think it's interesting. Like you, there's sometimes this fascination that you need to start a company in order to be seen as credible. And what you sort of proved is that there's an ability to just show how you create a product to, to demonstrate to people that you're a product person. <laughs> you went from, from, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I say this tongue in cheek, but basically being willing to like pay to make it in the door of a, of a startup, which in fairness, we never <laughs> asked you to pay to work entirely. I just want to make it clear. I but no, I mean, you know, you were looking at that, use it as a marketing technique to like, now people are like, Hey, we want you to uh, come here and uh, you're fighting off people to be a product. And product is basically like the hottest the hottest job in, in tech, right? Everyone wants to be in product. It's sort of like the, the thing. And there, there you are now suddenly uh, a real product person and, <laughs> and, and not having to do any of the prerequisites people thought about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think what you said is, is right. Product is um, such a hot field right now. The, the biggest thing though, is if you're interviewing for a product role, like you need to have some body of, of work to, to show me. So I, just so I know how you you think, and and also if, if you're if you're scrappy enough to be a good like if you haven't released a product on your own, it's hard to convince me that you're going to be really entrepreneurial and and kind of ambitious once you get in the door. Um, That's a big insight right there. That's a really big insight. I mean, I, you know, I I probably get someone every week asking me, "Hey, I want to get into product," and you're saying that if you're looking to even hire someone, even probably as an intern at at, at now Tinder. You're looking to see what have you released on your own? Exactly. I mean, it could be the simplest thing ever. It could be um, it could be a, a, a music blog where you just post things that you're you're listening to. Like, it, it doesn't have to be a fully fleshed out product that that is is meant for commercial um, use. But you you should build be building things on your own. This should be something you're you're passionate about. And you're you're this this should this is what you're doing in your free time because you you love to build products. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that, that passion is so obvious when, when someone walks in the door. Um, That's awesome. So, so yeah, if you, it's awesome. if you can't get yourself to, to do this in your free time, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Um, yeah. Professionally. Yeah, that's true. And then, so down, tell me about the, the, you know, how did, how did Tinder happen? And then I also want to hear a little bit about your current sort of, uh, I'd call it your side passion of, of investing in other great product companies. How, how do all these things happen? Cause now you sort of, you know, you're from not knowing how to get your foot in the door, it's sort of overflowing riches of productness that you get to do to coach <laughs> investment and stuff like that. And, and now at Tinder. So tell me the story of how Tinder happened, which is again, to the going from the hottest, probably the hottest company out there in the mobile app space today. Yeah. Um, Tinder was, was really, it was, it was, so a guy named Levi Nitzberg, who was the head of talent, reached out to me um, through my brother. And he had, I think he had seen some of my work online. Um, and he, he approached me um, 
and was just I was I was always really curious about Tinder because I was um, a I'd, I'd been a user of the product for a while and and um, also just in fairness, but I've got to say this in fairness, you were not just a user of Tinder; you were a user of every single dating app <laughs> out there as, a, as an alpha user on any one. And I remember that I could basically tell that we were at peak dating app when uh, you were like basically every day of the week using a different one. And uh, it was as the married guy in the room, it was always fascinating to see your, uh, your product sense with like, this one will work, this one won't work. And um, so anyway, yeah. I, knew, I knew Tinder was going to be huge because it was something that you never let go uh, of even throughout your, your many tribulations <laughs> and trials dating in San Francisco. Yeah. And they were, there were trials and tribulations, but, um, <laughs> but no, I was, I was, I was fascinated by the And, and um, when Levi reached out, he, he explained, and I thought Tinder was was a huge company at this point, but they only had sixty employees, and this was in 2015, and it was already a global brand. Um, and they needed a lot of help with with retention, um, retention marketing, and so he offered um, a really cool position to come in and kind of um, really define what the the user lifecycle program would look like in terms of um, things like push email, in app messages, and there were things that I'd I'd done previously. Um, at Zarly, actually, a lot of it, and and also at a few of the startups I'd worked at um, post Zarly, and so it was it was a it was a role that kind of um, gave me a lot of flexibility internally because there was there was nobody who was who was currently doing any form of um, retention marketing and and um, was able to really stand out. The kind of the the, the moment that that helped me at Tinder was I was put on a, a discounting project, and so. Um, basically it was the first time Tinder was going to offer users discounts for our subscription product. And, and, um, and my efforts there kind of showed people that I knew how to create kind of product funnels that, that monetize users, um, in really cool and creative ways. And so, um, from there was, was, and I think it's a good lesson for anybody. Like if you can impact revenue at a company, um, yeah. you will get a lot of attention. And so, <laughs> uh, and, and so the I think, ultimate metric. Yeah. And, and, and I think attaching my work to, um, to a, a really important metric like revenue, um, really helped me progress. And, and from there kind of went on to, um, to lead the revenue team with, with, uh, Yiki Meng, who's, who's our engineer manager. And, um, we're, we we became the top grossing app in the in the world um, on the App Store this year, so that was it's amazing. Um, that was exciting, and and I think we just think we're we're kind of getting started. We have a really small team still, and and a really exciting roadmap that we want to execute on. So so we're excited. It's pretty amazing. I mean, I think that you know it is as you say, right? Like it, it in some ways it's almost um, kind of like a second act in, in a lot of ways for Tinder. Right? I think Tinder in a lot of ways was thought of as this sort of fun, like going to be this sort of short-term concept in some ways, yeah. right? Like people sort of thought maybe it was a fad. And I think you you guys have over the last two years really helped establish it as a a real like player that's just getting started in the dating app world, which is a big, uh, you know, the dating, the dating game is, is, is big. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's, a, there's a still a lot of room to be, to be, to be had. Yeah. I think you're, you're right. I think once we started to, to kind of show that we, we could become a real business. Um, and we started to release, um, some of the metrics around that. And, and also as we started to rise in the app store charts, that's like the metric that everyone, everyone could see publicly. Um, yeah. I think people, people start to realize that Tinder is, 
um, here to stay. Like this is, this is, um, in, in my mind, a, a generational company that, that will be here for, for a very long time. And, and so, yeah, I think the, the respect from the product community has been awesome to see. We we're we're getting so many more kind of like, um, so much more inbound interest from people asking us to kind of help them with their products because they think we have some, some secret magic and, and, um, and so that's pretty cool to see. Yeah. I mean, you you know, you're, you guys have come out the other end of the, uh, no monetization, uh, sort of startup world and come out the other side and figure out a way to monetize an audience that truly loves you. And, and I think that's, uh, uh, you know, again, I, I, uh, in some ways, I'm glad I didn't have to ever date during the era of Tinder, but I also <laughs> feel like I sort of missed out on seeing some of the magic that that uh, that mobile dating has has caused. So it's pretty cool. So tell me a little bit about your your you know you you uh, you know in a world where where your side projects and side hustles have continued to demonstrate, you've you've also uh, continued to dip your toe in the water a little bit of helping others through both advice and through um, some some investment by kind of creating your own your own venture firm. So tell me about that and how it fits into the overarching JMJ product guy. Story. Yeah, of course. Um, so, so I made my first investment in 2013 while I was at Zarly. I was evaluating um, vendors for um, a CRM project we were doing at the time. And it was like six Stanford PhDs who were starting this company. And um, we happened to talk about fundraising and they said, we have a round open right now. And I, I followed up by emailing the, the founder and, he let me in his round. And so from there, hmm. like similar to being, um, to working in product, uh, at that, like once I made that first investment, then in my mind, I thought, um, now I'm an, I, I'm an investor now. Like I can, I can yeah. approach people and, and, and ask them about their companies and, and meet with them for coffee. And, um, and so I was doing, I was doing a lot of investing on my own, just really casually. And was your first was your first investment very big? I mean, how much dollars? Just for the context, yeah. for people, a lot of people don't know. That right? was fifteen thousand dollars. So you know, it wasn't a huge yeah. investment. Um, it was, you know, it's definitely a, a lot of money. But in terms of, of writing a big check, like you don't have to write a, a huge check, and then right, you know, right. if you're looking at, at platforms like AngelList, like you really don't have to write large checks. You can you can invest in companies for for a thousand dollars. Yep. And, and so, so I, I did a couple more of these kind of like smaller checks on my own. And then, um, this year I started and I was investing on, on AngelList too. And, and this year, um, one of my goals heading into 2017 was to start my own fund and then also start my own syndicate. Um, and so I run a, it's a private SPV through AngelList and, um, I didn't really know how, how to get started, but again, I just started emailing and calling everybody I knew and telling them that I wanted to do this. Um, and they were the JMJ special <laughs> secret weapon. It's amazing how, how non, uh, non magical it is. It's like just, I, yeah. I was waking up early and I probably would email 20 people a day who I knew, um, were investors and, and, and a lot of them were on interest already. And, um, you know, suddenly I had, um, a couple hundred thousand dollars in backing on my deals. And then, um, and then now it's up to, I, I've over 200, I think it's 205 investors and $730,000 per deal in backing wow. um, on AngelList. So That's it's not, crazy. so it's all opt-in. So you end up, sure, we end course. up doing check sizes, probably, um, you know, one, one fifty to, to two fifty, but, um, yeah. but it's a real thing. And so it's, it's, yeah. and we, we've done, um, I think we've done seven deals this year. 
So it's become just a much bigger thing. Yeah. And I think I saw a comment on Twitter where someone was saying that they want you as an investor because you because of the the fact that you've been building products. Yeah. So it's kind of funny now that like your 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 ability to sort of monetize quote unquote your um, knowledge comes also in the side of investor of, of sort of investment opportunities of founders who want to actually raise money from a founder who you know was to build products. Yeah, and I, I think that's my whole kind of pitch to entrepreneurs is I bet you have a cap table full of professional investors, but um, but do you have really kind of like um, high level operators or, or people who who truly understand what you're going through and, and are, are building products themselves? Um, and so for them, it's it's exciting, I think, to have operators and, and there aren't that many um, people who they who they talk with who are building products. My sales pitch is, is I'll be there to help you build your products. Um, and, and let me on your cap table. Yeah, I think it's great. And I think it's, it's a, it's just a really interesting story. I think the, you know, to sort of summarize the JMJ rise sort of story is I do think that in all of these cases, you, um, you didn't rely on, you know, kind of others, you relied on yourself and you sort of would always go back to that simple concept of what can I create to show, what can I do to sort of learn and, it's uh, it's sort of fascinating to see that each step along the way has has led you here, and I, I, you know, I sort of smile fondly thinking back to sort of your first product, which was an email cover letter that said, "I'll work here, I'll pay you to work here." And I think as much as you, you know, we may snuff, snuff and say that was just a marketing stunt, it really was a product. Like I'm the product, and let me t- let me show you an example of myself as a product marketer and. It's pretty neat to see how you've continued to do that over the, the story arc of your career. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, I've I've loved having you by my side. I think um, you know you of of many of of all people you've probably seen it um, firsthand the most with with someone like Bo Fishback. So um, mm-hmm. so it's it's fun to, to talk with you and just I don't have time to reflect on my career very often. So it's it's fun to, <laughs> it's fun to have someone else kind of. Uh, tell you their perspective. So I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. I appreciate it too. And uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for spending the time. This is awesome. I got some good stuff in here and I'll send you, like I said, I, I already pre-wrote some of it because I, I used that as my research effort to, to get your, uh, the knowledge that I was going to chat about with you today. So it was kind of cool to hear some, uh, get some quotes to add to it, but I'll send you the the stuff and, and uh, books scheduled to come out in, in April. Congrats, which, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's exciting. It feels it feels neat to see how it all fits together because I think what I've what this whole entire concept is on is is exactly so we we went out and uh, studied all of the Forbes thirty under thirty. So there's thirty four hundred of them, and we analyzed their career and looked at what they did. And there's this pre- premise that you know they all went to the really good schools or they all kind of like started companies young. And the reality is is that's not actually true. Yeah, they much more follow the story arc of of you, which is they demonstrate by creating something first and then that leads them to a company. So people could look at you and say like, oh, JMJ just sort of like, you know, uh, started this venture firm and that's why it's successful. But the reality is, is you created these products that then led you. So these are, we find nine buckets usually and it's, it's you know, things like books and podcasts and video series. And so I think your story arc fits exactly into that one, which is why as I was writing, I was like, well, shit, I got to write this story because it fits exactly in. And hearing you talk about it, as the the I, I didn't know the general assembly thing, which is amazing to me that, <laughs> that how that fits in to go from like feeling like you needed a coding boot camp to break in to sort of like just going out and hacking together some products to show off is is pretty fucking amazing. Thank you. Well, it's 
great to catch up and um, let me know how I can um, help you with the book. I'll, I'll definitely share this this story when, when it's out. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm here to help. You are epic. Well, I will, I will share more as it comes along. And um, yeah, I, I, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to start to share the story. Cause I think you, a lot of people don't quite know how to like make, they think of people like you or me or others as these like random snowflakes. And yeah. it's been interesting now that we've got like over a hundred authors and, and more in the pipeline. Um, you can start to see how you could actually create credibility structurally, as opposed to kind of in your sense was more of your own hustle and willpower to get there. So it's kind of cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the more examples people see, it's, it's empowering. Um, Yep. You know, you, you you don't feel like you have to rely on someone else to, to help you get there. So, right. so I like that. 100%. That's the story. That's the story. Um, awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. I will be back in touch with this sort of stuff, but I really, really do appreciate it. It was fun to talk. Yeah.